0: Philippians chapter 3, we're going to pick up. We're talking about your destiny. We're talking about the race that Jesus has asked you to run, Uh, the course that God has given you, the plan that God has given you. When you're in your mother's womb, before you did anything right or wrong, God assigned you. Ephesians 2.10 said he predestined you. He didn't predestine people to get saved and some not to get saved. That's a free choice. And that is also a free choice for you to, it's not the will of God that any should perish, right? It's not the will of God that, you know, you got to find out the will of God. It's not the will of God that any should perish, but people perish because they don't receive Jesus. And in the same way, when you were in your mother's womb, God had a destiny for you, God had a plan for you. He had a plan, it's a good plan, it's the best plan because He doesn't make mistakes. And it's not, uh, your life shouldn't be just what you want to do as a born-again believer. You should find out, I should find out what I'm called to do, what God has asked me to do. Now, this works really well among those that are called to be in the five-fold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But a lot of times in the body of Christ, as I've ministered this for over 30 some odd years, uh, people who aren't called to the ministry don't think this applies to them. But it absolutely, well, God doesn't care if I'm an accountant Or if I'm a teacher or if I'm a, uh, um, you know, a candlestick maker or a baker, he don't care. He absolutely does care, and it is part of your destiny. Amen. 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 We should teach our children you can't grow up and be whatever you want to be. You ought to ask God what he has called you to be. Because there is a judgment seat of Christ that everyone is going to stand in front of, and he's going to ask you, did you do what I called you to do? And you can't say, well, I just didn't know, because you can know, all right? And so that's what we're doing here on Wednesday nights. Now, I know on Wednesday night, you all are interested in this kind of stuff, aren't you? Well, I'm going to take my jacket off and get real serious with you, because this is real important, and I've been praying this out for a while, and I've ministered this a lot over, um, you know, three decades of ministry, and, um, you know... Um, as a pastor, one of my greatest um, things the Lord, you know, pastoring 30 years, we've had, you know, people, they, people don't live forever down here, you know. Do you know anyone alive from the, born in the 1700s? Why? They're, they're all dead. What about the 1800s? Why? Where are they? Dead. This is sad on a Wednesday night. Well, listen, y'all. Like it or lump it, if Jesus doesn't come back, you're going to die. You're not going to live here forever. I don't know why we act like we will. And so it's never too soon to think about standing before him, the one who gave us everything, and having something to give back to him. And yes, you should tithe and give offerings and serve and do this and do that but really when it comes down right to it, it's just all about obedience. I want to obey because I want to have something to give him. I know I'm rehearsing a little bit, but if you don't get this part of it, the rest of it just doesn't matter much. Why do I want to obey him? Well, in Revelation chapter 4, verse 10, you see the elders casting their crowns before the throne of Jesus. And the only place in the Bible that it's ever mentioned that anybody that's human gets a crown is at the judgment seat of Christ. It's the only place they could have got them. So I propose to you that they're not the only ones that are going to get to cast their crowns, which represent their obedience at Jesus' feet. Everybody doesn't get one, just those who obey. Now, aren't you glad that somebody can take their last breath I mean, here, I believe Jesus is the son of God and I believe he's raised from the dead. <gasps> what happens? Well, they go to heaven. Well, no, yeah. As long as you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you believe that. But how many of you know when they get there, my, my spiritual father, Brother Hagin, you say, um, uh, sure do beat going to hell, getting, getting, you know, saved on your deathbed. Uh, we have a nursing home ministry. It sure does, it's a good thing to get people born again in their last days, but you and I are already born again, and so we have our life. Well, I'm I'm running down the end of mine. If you got breath in you, you can do some things for God, and it's about your crown so that you can lay it at Jesus' feet. Are we all on the same page up in here? Amen. And so I know that you want to do that. So uh, Philippians chapter three, verses thirteen to fourteen, gives us a clue of something that keeps us from getting our crown. And, you know, as I minister on this, I, I, I sense the devil's resistance on this. And let me tell you why. If, if the Holy Ghost, through the teaching of the Word of God, can get you in place, you're going to affect a lot of people. If you take seriously the course, the race that God has laid out in front of you, on it is you ministering to people. On it is you helping people. On it is you serving people. See, off your course, you're going to be doing a whole lot of, um, well, you're just going to be doing a lot of you things, and you're going to be thinking about you and things that have happened to you, and, and you're not going to be running your, your course, and you're not going to be helping anybody, and, and let me be blunt, because you can handle it on a Wednesday night. You're going to be feeling sorry for yourself. And, and, and you're going to want everybody to feel sorry with you. Now, the Lord has compassion, but I tell you the best place to get your healing, even emotional healing, is on your course. Obeying, doing what God has for you. Well, I'm just taking a break. A break from what? From the Lord? From his plan? I'm just taking a I know, I know, because I know everybody in this room on Wednesday night, you're all serving, you're all doing everything. There's nobody on break in here. I get it. Hallelujah. Thank you. I appreciate you. Let's look at the word. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. This is one I found that you and I have the biggest problem. This is the Apostle Paul, brethren. I count not myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't got it all figured out yet, but this one thing I do. Now a student, a, a student of the Word of God for 35 or so years, uh, this is very strong language. What I find in studying the Word of God is uh, the Lord rarely uses, do this one thing. There's usually many keys. So if you hear a preacher say, this is the key to your, they're wrong. Because most of the time, there's not a key. And there could be multiple keys. It's like we need a, a keychain in the spirit that's got, you know, a lot of things on it. But there's rarely just one key. There could be a key for you that unlocks the door that you've been working. But, but so my point to you is um, a lot of times, even in walking with God, there's multiple things that the Lord is needing us to do at the same time. But he said to this, he said, but this, there's just one thing I do. This is big. In other words, this probably for him by the Holy Ghost was some of his biggest hindrance in his own personal life. This one thing I do, what do I do? I forget. I forget those things which are behind. Because if I don't forget those things that are behind, I can't reach forth. And so what's he talking about? Verse 14. And therefore I press. That word press means I move forcefully towards the mark. What is the mark? The mark is a finish line. The mark is the finish line for the prize. What's the prize? It's a crown. Where did you get that crown? At the judgment seat of Christ. Why? Because it's the high calling of God in Christ Jesus that was in you in your mother's womb before you did anything right or wrong. And everybody in this room, and everybody's listening, and everybody who will ever listen to this, we've all got one. We've all got one. Doesn't mean you're a preacher. Doesn't mean you're a teacher. Could you, it could mean you're an engineer who, who serves in the nursery. I guess that'd be a woman, right? It, it, it could mean you are a rocket scientist who helps Carlos in the parking lot. It could mean that you are a public school teacher that goes out with Aldo uh, 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 reaching out. It could mean you're a Walmart greeter that um, also um, keeps the books at the church. I don't know. Whatever. We already have a good bookkeeper. I'm just saying it could be a combo of things. Don't just think because I'm not in the full-time ministry, I'm not in the full-time ministry. (laughs) Because you are a minister of reconciliation, and you do have something to do. Everybody's got something to do. Everybody's got something to do. We're not taking a break from Jesus. I press towards the mark for I, so I'm pressing. What does that mean? I have to. There's some obstacles in my way. There are some people who would try to get me off course. There's some hurts that might try to get me off course. There's some unforgiveness that I might have to deal with. There's some things, maybe somebody tried to warn me of something and I got mad at them, and, and yet now I, I feel a little off course. Well, forgive them, forget it, and let it go because your life is too important for you to get off course. But I got to press through some things. Everybody say, I'm pressing. Yeah. I'm pressing. What is, how am I going to press? I, I fought the good fight of faith. Remember when the apostle Paul said that? I fought the good fight of faith. What did that mean? I had to fight. It's not handed to me. It's not always easy. I don't know in our circle why we think, if I just walk in faith, if I just show up in church, if I give my tithe, everything's just going to be easy. That is not promised in the Word of God. What is promised is you'll always overcome. What is promised is you have this victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. Why are you more than a conqueror? Because you conquered something because you believe what Jesus did. Amen. Amen. He always causes me to overcome. That means I went over something. And then sometimes it means I went over somebody who's trying to push me out of my race, out of my course, out of my destiny. Everybody say, I'm pressing. What does that mean? I'm fighting the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. But let's go back to my point. Is He said, there's one thing I do. Everybody say, there's one thing I do. Everybody say, forget about it. That's what you got to do. You got to forget about it. So let's look at some scripture. Forget about it. Y'all ready to forget about it? All right, let's, let's look at this. Um, let's look at Luke. Now let's go to Isaiah 54 first. Isaiah 54. I guess I wrote that down on purpose. Isaiah 54. Four. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed. Neither shall you be confounded, for you shall not be put to shame, for you shall not forget the shame. So you shall forget the shame of your youth. Lots of shame in here. What does that mean? Uh, it just, whenever uh, bad things happen, whatever sin happened, whatever a mistake was made happen, shame comes with it. Uh, but he says you're going to have to forget about it. Because you're not going to be ashamed, you're not going to be confounded about it, you're not going to be put to shame. For you shall forget the shame of your youth, and you and shall not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. So what I want you to see here is there's you're going to have to forget about it. You need to forget about it. You need to forget about it, and you're not going to remember the reproach that happened to you. And so there's a theme in the Word of God. Because what did the Apostle Paul say? There's one thing I do, I forget about those things that are behind. Let's just look at him just a minute. The Apostle Paul, did he have anything to forget? Who was he? His name was Saul. He had so much to forget about, he took a name change. The Lord gave him a name change to help him forget. So they would not be identified with his past. What was his past? Well, he thought he was smarter than everybody else. He was on a mission, and he commissioned himself to kill Christians, put them in prison, and literally stop this movement that he called the way. The sect, right? Stephen, who was Stephen? One of the first deacons. Paul, Saul was there saying, kill him watched him be killed, had letters in his hands to go on the road to Damascus to kill or put Christians in prison. Then Jesus, I believe somebody prayed. You find out later that Paul, Saul, had some relatives who were Christians. Uncle Saul is messed up, man. Uncle Saul has just lost it. Let's pray for him. Lest he come get us. Because I think he would have probably put him in. Because he was trying to eradicate anything to do with Jesus. He was on a self-mission. Thought he was doing God a favor. Right? Because the Bible says later about him, I did it in ignorance and unbelief. What does that mean? The devil had just totally blinded him. He did it in ignorance. He really thought he was doing right. Don't raise your hand if you really were ignorant one time and thought you were doing right. You know what I'm saying? Thank God. I'll just jump ahead. Ignorance is easier to get rid of than defiance. You watch that in your children. Ignorance can be taught away and corrected. Defiance must be disciplined. Defiance is something that runs rampant in our nation right now. It's demonic. It's devilish. It it, it really is. Paul said, I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Because he just didn't believe and he was blinded. So, isn't it cool that somebody was praying and on the road to Damascus, the Lord appeared to him in such a way, he said, uh, Who are you? Remember, Saul was like, Who are you, Lord? I know you're somebody. But my point is, even, how many know that was glorious? It wasn't long, you know, then Ananias, the, the the disciple Ananias, went and laid hands on him. The, the, because of the glory, Paul was blinded, then he could see and he got filled with the Holy Ghost. You remember all that? But it wasn't a couple of weeks he's now preaching. Powerful stuff. Everywhere he's going. God's using him. But this tells me that the man had a soul and he had emotions. And he couldn't just forget about it. It bothered him. How do I know? Because he's just as human as you and I are. Can you imagine you're up preaching and you think about how many of them did I kill? Now I'm called to do something and there's Timothy and I, I, I shortened his life. But in order for him to go on, this is a big deal. And if the, the Spirit of God points this out, then it's a big deal for you and me. Because I can look through here, and it's a Wednesday night, and it's a guess. You know, at least 25% of you have messed up sometime in your life, right? I mean, I'm, I know a lot of you, and I, I, know, I know how good some of you really are. I, I really do. I, I know a lot of you, and I know you're angels. Haven't, haven't we all messed up? Even after you got born again, filled with the Holy Ghost? Isn't there all some things you'd like to take back? Do over? Wish you weren't so ignorant? Well, wishing's not going to fix it. But just like the Apostle Paul, it'll affect you and it'll affect me. Because the devil has this tool in his arsenal, and he tries to bring it back to your remembrance. And with it comes guilt and shame. With it comes unworthiness and with it comes fear of the future because you're just going to do it again. Paul, when he said, there's just one thing I do, it is a huge thing for everyone in the body of Christ, for me, for you, for everybody, because we haven't done it perfect. We didn't do it just right all the time. We had some failures some mess ups. We said some stuff that we really wish we could take back. We got under pressure and our pressure valve popped. Now, if if you walk with the Lord, He can help you in that moment. So, and He will help you. And He'll He'll show you and teach you. And you can fix it in the moment sometimes. Um Oh, they know that. I'm not. I, they do. Um, they do. They really do. Yeah, you've all heard it, right? There may be a new person in the room, but they've heard it. Um, I'm trying. All right. Um, I mean, because the Lord will help you. Um, uh, it's just easy to pop off sometimes. You know, I tell the story of I don't know who I was on the phone with. Somebody with the, it was a phone company, and I don't remember. This girl was trying, and do you do? <laughs> I mean, no, that was a different one. Thank you. I, I wasn't kind on that one either. That was too recent. I'm talking about back in the, the uh, 160 Freedom Way days. Oh, that one was bad too. Um, well, you get woke up at 3 in the morning three nights in a row. Anyway, I did scream. Anyway, but I was tired. But um, that one good. I don't know if I apologize after that one. But this one, I was really giving this lady what for. And if you've ever worked customer service, they're just trying to do their job. They didn't do it. And I was really, I mean, I was ripping her. I mean, you know, I was just. And right in the middle, the Holy Ghost said, look at you. Look at you. Preacher of the gospel. Son of God. Talking to this girl like she's a nobody. Tearing her up. Look at you. Well, so I stopped because it was strong. It wasn't like a little, it was a, it's still seared because I was being mean. I was mad. But the Lord gave me an opportunity to fix it while it was happening so I wouldn't have to regret it. Now I just have to talk about it during my sermons. But I, I, I stopped, and I mean with the sincerest heart that I could, I apologize to this lady. And she said, in all the years I've been doing this, I've never had anyone mid-rant, she called me, I was ranting, <laughs> mid-rant, stop and apologize. And I don't even know if she could fix anything. I don't even know if it got fixed. I didn't care. It's important to live where you don't have a lot of these regrets. And if you grow up, as you grow up, the Holy Ghost will give you opportunity during some things that you would regret later. You don't have to regret them anymore. Amen? Well, that's kind of new to what I'm doing. Because we're talking about forgetting those things that lie behind. But the Lord just helped us. So if you would, if you'll, you'll understand that those things really hinder your, your course, you would try not to have so many things to forget. I hate this saying among our group, it's easier to get forgiveness than permission. My staff does not use that with me. Some of them came with that attitude, but they don't got that anymore because I don't like that. And that's not a way to live. We'll just 1 John 1.9 it. No, because you, when you do that, you have regrets. You have things to get over. You have things to... Um, that hurt you, shame and stuff. That's why the, Isaiah said you won't have the shame of your your youth. So with known sin, practicing sin or, or blowing up, it, what is the devil trying to do? He, it'll get us off course, but then when we get back on course, then he has something to remind us of. Now listen to me. You've got to get good at forgiving. Um, listen to me very carefully. Don't abuse this. You got to get good at forgiving yourself. What do you mean? Well, if you have to forgive others, but you have to forgive yourself. Now, understand what I mean by this Uh, God doesn't need, Lord, I forgive you. He didn't do anything wrong. But some people are mad at God. And you got to get to that place where you understand God didn't do this to you, He didn't allow it, He didn't kill anybody in your family. He didn't kill any of your dreams. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. We, we, even in our circle, word of faith circle, we got to realize that if something doesn't happen, you can't say, well, I'm a person of faith. It should have happened. There's something you did. You didn't know. You didn't know everything. How dare us? Point our finger at God and say, you let me down. You did this. You didn't do that. I said what your word said. You ought to put that finger down (laughs) because it's misguided and it's misdirected because he did absolutely nothing wrong. A better thing would be like, I'm doing everything I know to do. I know I'm doing something wrong. Could you please explain it to me? Explain to me what I don't know. I know one time Pastor Ron and I were praying about the church, and the Lord said, it's not, uh, it's not what you know, because he said, you're doing everything you know. It's what you don't know. So we said, she said, well, Lord, teach us what we don't know. And he did. And it helped. Amen. Where are we? We're talking about forgetting those things that lie behind. We're talking about forgetting. Let's look at Luke chapter 9. Can you understand? Paul said, there's one thing I do. Why is this so important? Because your past gets into your future course. Especially about what Jesus said here, Luke nine sixty two, And Jesus said unto him, no man, no man, nobody, having put his hand to the plow and look back, is fit for the kingdom of God. What does that mean, fit for the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God, seek ye first, the kingdom of God is righteous, all these things will be added to you. The kingdom of God, uh, the currency is faith. And so faith is Now. Faith is now. Faith is now. Now faith is. Faith is now. The currency of the kingdom of God is faith. Faith is how it operates. Seed, time, and harvest is what Jesus said. Forever it shall be, seed, time, and harvest. the, The kingdom works by faith. And everything in the kingdom, receiving the kingdom, works by faith. And he said, you can't operate in a now kingdom looking back. The devil will try morning, noon, and night to get you to look back. look back. And if you look back, then you're not living in the now, because now faith is, you're living in the past. And because you're living in the past in past sorrows and past hurts, and, and you could say, well, Pastor Mark, they did, I get they did. I get they did. but you're, you're keeping their, you're letting what they did keep you in the past by keep looking back. You keep looking back. Jesus said, no man, nobody is fit to operate in the kingdom of God looking back. So I can't be looking back. So this one thing I do, I forget those things that are behind. If I, if I keep looking back, then you've heard me say it like this. Most of you heard me say it. Growing up on a farm in the middle of Illinois, uh, everybody planted corn and soybeans. And we used to make fun of those people who had crooked rows. How do you have a crooked row? Well, you're on the planter and you look back. And when you look back, either you're looking back or you're drunk, one of the two. We didn't know which one, but we assumed it was looking back because nobody can plant a straight row looking back. Nobody's that good. And you and I can't do it in our life. And the devil works overtime to get you to look back. Always trying to get you to look back. If I would have, I wish I could have. Well, that keeps you in the past. I should have. I can't believe I let them. What does that do? Whether you think it or say it, it's keeping you in the past. It's keep, I'm talking to somebody. I know it. I can tell it. Hallelujah. But what am I here to do? Let you get you to let go. This one thing I do, what are we talking about? Standing before the judgment seat, hearing well done, good and faithful servant, Paul said there's one thing that'll keep you from it, looking back, looking back. Yeah, Pastor Mark, but I think some people need to look back because if they don't look back and fix what their mess is, they're gonna mess up there tomorrow. That's not what the Lord said, that's what you said. I think they, yeah. listen, you. Are, I'm grateful you're not Jesus. You're great. Aren't you grateful that I'm not Jesus? Right? I'm grateful that you're not Father God. Because he's much more merciful and kind than we could ever be. Because when you really repent, he forgets. Doesn't he? He forgets for his sake. So you ought to forget for your sake if he has to forget for his sake you ought to forget for your sake we ought to forget for everybody's sake yeah but you know listen you're never going to forget mentally in other words if somebody did something to you 20 years ago you may be able you're still going to be able to recount it right you are I'm not talking about that unless you're me I have a gift. Hallelujah. Nobody can take it away. Hallelujah. We'll get to it later. But Jesus said, no man, how many men? Can anybody in this room? Nope. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back. So one of the things that the devil is always going to get you to do, always try to get me to do is look back. Look back. Look back. And you can even put that in the positive. Uh, You know, there's sometimes that people don't do well in a season because they're rejoicing over another season and they wish they were in that season again. I wish, you know, I loved it when my babies were little. I loved it when they was little. But they ain't little no more. They all growed up and it's time for you to move on. Look at the pictures and rejoice, but move on. And they don't want you to think of them as toddlers anymore because they're adults. Some of them need to act like it. But anyway, whatever. Everybody say, don't look, don't look back. Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow is looking back. Why? Because you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna make crooked rows. It's always going to mess up your now. You with me? It's always going to mess up your now. Looking back. Pastor Mark, but I'm looking back because I want to make sure that that doesn't happen to me. Well, if that's the way the Lord did, then he would be able to use none of us. He forgets. As far as the east is from the west, he remembers your sin no more. He remembers your sin no more. Now, if you're living in it and practicing in it, he remembers. And if you don't judge yourself, you're going to get judged just so we're clear just so we're clear i ain't preaching no greasy grace around here all right i mean you live in and practice sin you're going to get judged judge yourself or you will be judged right that's new testament you can't walk you can't get around that but this i don't if if i want to fix my now and i want to get to the end of my course one of the things i know is one of the biggest weapons the devil uses is the past my past experiences my past failures, not even my past, 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 my past failures, but uh, what other people did to me, what other people said to me, what other people did to hurt me, what other people did to hold me back, what other people did that I had to work extra hard to get around, right? But what I got to do, I got to forgive them, and I got to forget about it. Amen. And I'm not necessarily going to forget mentally, Pastor Rhonda in her Love Walk class calls it emotional remembering versus historical historical remembering. If it still hurts when you remember, you didn't forgive them yet. If you still want to punch them, you didn't forgive them yet. If you still want God to get them, you haven't forgiven them yet. If you think something bad ought to happen to them to teach them a lesson, you really have not forgiven them yet. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But when it's just historical, you remember the incident, it just doesn't hurt anymore, and you don't want anything, you don't have anything negative to say about it or them. It's just a memory. And when the devil tries to use something to destroy you, yes, God can work all things together for your good. And a bad situation in your life, the Lord didn't cause it, but he will teach you something from it. And one of the things you don't want it to do, though, is cause you to live in your past so you can't do anything in your now. This is really serious. It's really a big thing because the Apostle Paul said, there's one thing I do. Just one. When it comes to getting the prize, running the course. Are you all with me? Philippians 3.8. Philippians 3.8. Yea, doubtless... I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And dung means what you think it means. Hallelujah. So I count all things so I forget about it. Everything is a loss so that I can obtain the excellence and knowledge of Jesus Christ for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I just count it dung. That's in the, that, yeah, I flushed that down the commode. It's just gone. It's just, it's just waste. It's gone. Why? That I may win Christ. In other words, if I don't count it but dung, if I don't count it as waste, then it's going to hold me in a wrong position. And I won't be able to get where I need to go. So sometimes you just got to leave it. Sometimes you just got to let it go. Just got to let it go. Are you all with me? Just got to let it go. Hallelujah. Yeah, I like this scripture. Um, A lot of these you can find in uh, my daily bread. Um, Yes, I'm advertising a lot because I've been working really hard. The Lord's been giving me a lot of revelation. And it's on um, our um, um, app. Wesley, is it on our Facebook yet? But it will be. Yeah, okay, it will be, and so you're going to find it. But I'm doing a lot of these things on Wednesday night, and we're taking Scripture one at a time, and I'm uh, explaining them. And so it will help you get this in your heart because this is really big, I believe, to the Lord because he really wants you to stand in front of the judgment seat of Christ, and you're well done, good and faithful servant. And he wants you to get loaded down with some crowns. Amen. I pray that you have so many of the angels have to help you. Somebody's assigned to you for all of eternity carrying your crowns around. Amen. So you can lay him at Jesus' feet. Amen. Amen. So, John 16, 21. I like this scripture a lot. I think I like it more because I'm a man. It says, a woman, when she's in travail, has sorrow because her hour has come. So, I understand that childbirth can be kind of painful. Painful. And um, I'm not making light of it. I haven't experienced it. Uh, you've heard women say, if men had to give birth, there would be less population. So I don't know. And uh, so, and there's different degrees of it, uh, of pain. But you know, um, there's pain with childbirth, and it can be hard. And I've seen movies and and stuff, and I didn't get screamed at or anything, but I've seen movies where the wife is in there with the husband, and, you know, uh, she grabs him and chokes him and all that kind of stuff, and there's there's things going on and whatever. But it's painful. So the Lord is using this as an illustration. When a woman is in travail, she has sorrow because her hour has come, so it hurts. But as soon as the child is delivered... She remembers the, no more the anguish. In other words, that was painful. I, I remember it, but I ain't mad about it no more. Now, I used to make a mistake as a young pastor, especially with young people, and when they had their first child, you know, in the hospital, I'd be, oh, man, this is, they're so cute. How many more are you going to have? And then I'd get evil eyes from the one, from the, because it was just too soon to talk about. I learned. Uh, My wife, elbowed me. She's like, no, not now. But they're so cute. But the Bible says she forgets. Why? Because I have the prize. I have the joy. And the same thing is true. I don't wish or I don't want for me or you to go through any more pain. I would love to stand up here and promise you. That if you do everything just right, you're never going to have any more pain. Everybody's going to talk to you right. Everybody's going to do you right. And you're just going to float. Because if you just, no. But guess what? We live in a fallen world. And you have an enemy. And there are some messed up folks down here. They're crazy. And unsaved. And some of them's got some demons. Demons. And they're messed up. So the chances of you going from here to the judgment seat unscathed is minimal. Now you can keep some, there's some, some, some battles that you, if you, you're out of the will of God, you're fighting battles you were never ordained to fight. Think about it. David was ordained to fight Goliath. Joseph was ordained to go to the pit to the prison, and then to the palace. It doesn't matter what the devil throws your way. You always will come out in victory. And remember, God is not the one tempting with you with evil because he's not tempted with evil. And every good and perfect thing comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no shadow of turning. And Jesus said, I've come to give you life. It's the thief. It's the devil that steals, kills, and destroys. So we're not confused about that around here, are we? No, but when something happens, when the devil, when the demons, when the people who are crazy, when life living in a fallen world throws you things, right, and there's pain with it, you got to know that you're going through it on the side. There's, um, I had this one woman say to me, her her son who went to church here was, uh, you've heard a lot of you've heard this before, but he was in an accident. That kid was always getting into something, and uh, he was in a truck accident, and uh, he had a big old gash in his head. And I was walking his mama down the hallway, and to go see him in the emergency room, and she looked at me with the best, because when people get around me and they know who I am. I mean, you know, sometimes I just want to lie to people and tell them I'm a teacher, you know, not a pastor, because they get all their King Jamesy voice on and and and, and act like all holy and sanctified. When I just heard them cussing just a second ago, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you don't mind cussing in front of God, why do you mind cussing in front of me? I, I don't want to hear it. But so sometimes, but anyway, so she was trying to be, you know, it's Pastor Mark. We're walking. She goes, "Well, the Lord does say He'll never give you more than you can bear." And I'm like, it doesn't say that. And I, so I, then I was like, so I'm teaching her, you know, because they take that scripture, you know, there's no uh, temptation taking you, not common to man, but that there's always a way of escape. That's the point you're supposed to get. There's always a way out. Not the Lord's given you more than you can bear. And so later that kid's like, Pastor Mark, why didn't, why couldn't you just said yes? A- amen. Or that was, that's right. I like, because it's like. But the Lord's not giving you more than well. He's not just sending things to you to see what you can bear. If listen to me on the opposite, if it's coming at you, you have the grace to get out of it. Just do the opposite of it. If it's coming your way, because no temptation's taken you that you're not able to get out of. So if it's coming your way, you can get out of it. No excuses. You can get out of it. Well, praise the Lord. That helped me. I don't know if it helped you or not, but that helped me. There's no temptation taken to man. There's a way out every time. There's an escape route every time. Amen? Amen. What does that have to do with this? Let's see. Um, so no matter what's coming your way, you, the pain of it, think about the victory. Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. He rejoiced. How could you rejoice when you're about to be first time ever in your your existence be separated from the Father? How, let alone the physical pain. The physical pain, which was enormous. They beat him beyond human recognition. But to take every sin upon yourself, every sickness, every disease, all of poverty, every shame everything take it upon yourself how could you rejoice well he rejoiced before the cross because he saw us on the other side He saw, he believed the resurrection. So that's how he rejoiced with joy because at the cross, because he saw the other side. And so this is a little more tough. And I I teach on this. I just taught on this in India to them. But, you know, talk about grace and glory is a lot of times when the devil tries to do things at you, if you'll take it and when it comes and start rejoicing over it, it'll turn into glory. I don't have time to get into every scripture, but there's about four or five scriptures really strong about greater glory coming from when you're persecuted, when the devil tries to destroy you. But if you'll take it and you'll begin to rejoice in front of it, it'll turn into a greater way to glory. Taking what the devil meant for evil, turning it around for your good because you're called according to his purpose. That scripture, even that scripture is not for everybody. It's just those that are called. Just those that are called. Just those that are running the race. Just those that are on their course. When the evil one comes to try to destroy you, the Lord will turn it around for for your good. He'll he'll make it to your good. To make it, you see, if you start rejoicing over that, I would think the devil will get tired of picking on some of you. Because he just knows you're going to rub it in his face. And then you're going to build a platform and start preaching off of it and helping other people off of it. Amen. Amen. But you're going to finish your course. So I'll leave you with this. Joseph, young man, had a dream. Remember Joseph. So God gave him a dream. He shared his dream with daddy and the the fellas, the brothers, and uh, they was happy, man. Let's just start bowing before you right now. Glory to the king, right? You know, nope. Daddy got mad and the brothers got really mad. And so I don't know. I know this is old covenant, um, but, you know, I don't know that, I don't know. Don't get so much involved in the cause, but, you know, who caused it. But I just know God's good. And God gave Joseph a, a dream. And what was Joseph's course? What was Joseph's Joseph's destiny. What would be the motto, the statement of his life? It should have read, he saved Israel alive. That was the whole purpose of his life, to save Israel alive. And then the greater purpose of that was to save the lineage of Jesus. But the purpose, because at the very end, he said, I did what God said. I saved Israel alive. Now, the process was very interesting. The process is interesting. So you know what happened? So they all were going to kill him. But one of his brothers stepped up and said, no, let's not kill him. Let's, let's, let's be nice and sell him into slavery. And so they'd sold him into slavery, and he went to Potiphar's house. And how I many you know what happened there? I mean, every, the favor of God was on Joseph. So he became number two in charge. You know this, the account. So he became number two in charge. Potiphar quit looking over what he was doing because everything Joseph touched was blessed, and things were prosperous. And then um, Joseph was obviously a very good-looking young man, Potiphar's wife, uh, decided she wanted him. Uh, he was upright. He was honest. She lied and uh, Potiphar had a tough tough choice. Do I believe my wife or do I believe Joseph? I know what he probably wanted to believe but he had to do the right thing and Joseph had to go to prison. In prison, you know what happened? Joseph became number two. Now being number two, it looks like he's going backwards but In God's eyes, it didn't matter where Joseph was number two. He was going to elevate him, and he was going to watch over him no matter the situation. And so it looks bad when you're in prison, but if you're in prison and you got your own pillow and your own blanket, and you get to go through the food line first and all that kind of stuff, that's better than anybody else is doing. And so he was in charge of the whole prison. And so you know the account. And then, you know, he told the guys their dreams. You know, one, one was going to die, one was going to make it. And he said, don't forget me. And, of course, the guy forgot him until he got in trouble. So a couple years later, then the Pharaoh is having a dream. And so they bring Joseph, and, and Joseph gets it. And, and he becomes number two. It's wild. But how I many know... Being number two of the most powerful nation on the planet at that time, it's a pretty good gig. Especially if you started out in a pit. Especially if you were just in prison. You went from wearing raggy, stinky clothes to being fully dressed, having whatever you want, whenever you want it. Went from serving. To having servants, that kind of stuff. But Joseph's a man, and he's not a born again man. And obviously, he has trouble forgetting his past. I mean, your own family. I'm gonna kill you? You're doing everything right woman i'm making you and your husband rich and and i'm upright and honest and you're gonna do this to me i'm gonna put my neck out and tell you what the dream means and you were supposed to remember me and you don't you forget about me let me rot here and i'm i really am innocent i really am innocent i mean he had a lot of opportunities now i do know about joseph The Bible says, until the time of his dream came to pass, that dream tried him. Some of you listen to me. You got big things to do for God. I don't care who you are, it's big to God, and He assigned you to do it, but it will try you. It's not always easy. You know, I hear Brother Hagin say all the time, people used to come up in line and ask him for something. He said, uh, he said, well, will you do this? And their response was, well, I will if it's easy. And he's like, everybody's always looking for something easy. Well, that's not always the promise. The yoke of Jesus is light and easy. But there are some times you got to push through. you got to push through. You got to fight the good fight of faith. It's a fight. You got to stand none of these things move me. What does that mean? I'm standing here and you you're not going to move me. I know you're trying but you're not going to move me. I'm not going to be moved. That means there's some opposition. I press. I press forcefully move towards the mark. Just, and so Paul and Paul said there's one thing I do. Well Joseph I think in all, everything going well, and he moved Israel and the whole bunch to Goshen, and everybody's living good. But I love this, Genesis chapter 41, verse 51. I'm going to let you go. Genesis 41, 51 says, And Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. For God said, He hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. What does that mean? The Lord helped him to forget the pain, the anguish. I don't know if it meant he physically or mentally forgot. I can do that. I, I really do do that sometimes. Pastor Rhonda gets irritated at me sometimes. But something will happen, and she'll be telling me the story, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, well, you were there. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember it. I just don't remember it. That's convenient. No, I think it's a gift. I really do, especially for the ministry that I operate in sometimes, it is a gift. And uh, because if I remember something or I know something about a situation, I won't minister to it unless the Lord just really makes me because it looks suspicious, like you knew that. So the Lord does help me to forget some things. Um, What does that mean? Well, he just doesn't want you to have the pain of it. So ask the Lord if he'll manasseh that for you. It's a new word I came up with. Let's just manasseh that. Just forget about it. Just forget about it. I don't know if it'll be a... uh, But you can forget about it to the place where it's just historical. Where you remember it no more. Where it doesn't hurt. See, and all these great men and women of God, they all had stuff too. They all had stuff too. I mean, he's second in charge... He is has saved Israel alive his dream that nobody believed in came to pass just like God said it would